What is up, guys? This is the People's Project, episode number three. Very excited for another episode. I got my co-host here, Chris. I'm Mitch, and we're excited to uh, have this for another week. Before we get started, uh, I wanted to go over a couple things. Uh, the first thing is, is that if you get any kind of value out of this podcast, if uh, anything clicks or helps you out in your day-to-day world, um, we just ask that you tell someone. You tell someone about the podcast, tell someone about how uh, it helped you out. And, uh, you know, we'd love to increase our, our, our audience and, you know, help out as many people as we can. Uh, the second thing is that if you're wondering when these podcasts are going to come out, it's going to be every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Uh, Chris and I are going to release this on our LinkedIn pages. Uh, so just click on the LinkedIn post. Uh, it's on Podbean and listen to it. Uh, and hopefully you enjoy it. So how you doing, Chris? I'm good, Mitch. I appreciate you uh, bringing me in here. And uh, before we get into what we're talking about today, uh, I, I have to talk about something that I just experienced a couple days ago. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, and it kind of it kind of goes into like what we're going to talk about. But uh, I just I have to say it because it was an experience that um, I don't understand how some some people still sell when they have these uh, these techniques. And uh, so I, I was I'm buying a car, right? right. And I went to a dealership, you know, fully looking to buy this truck. I even drove four hours to go buy that truck and uh, was really looking to leave the lot with that truck. And the experience that I had at that dealership was so poor that I would not only not buy that truck, but I would never buy anything from that entire dealership. And then furthermore, with word of mouth, I would tell anybody I know to never go to that dealership as well. Okay. Let's hear it. Uh, so basically, you know, I'm going to buy this truck. I'm super excited about it. I get there. I, I even, you know, demoed out. I, I do a test drive. We go into the office, you know, start talking some numbers and figuring out where we're going to be. And the guy immediately starts running my credit and trying to, to pull credit. And I was like, whoa, like, slow down. Uh, we, haven't even, we haven't even agreed on where we're at here, like what the cost is. He's like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's aggressively priced. Uh, you know, it's aggressive. It's been on, it's been on the lot for 60 days. So it's really aggressive and probably said aggressive 10 more times. Um, so I'm not sure what he was trying to do there, but, um, it got to the point where, you know, I, I wanted to see where we can get with the price and, and make it more reasonable. And so he came back and after talking to his manager, um, he came back to show me some, some financing options. And I said, Hey, I'm not, I'm not in the same ballpark with you. We got to, we got to lower this a little bit. And so he goes to his manager again. He comes back and didn't change the price at all whatsoever. And all he did was change the financing options, which to me was just an insult, uh, because I'm not stupid and I don't know what kind of sales technique he was trying to work on me, but, um, that wasn't going to work. So I literally said to him, I was like, listen, the price is literally the exact same. So nothing happened there. And I was like, well, he's like, well, where do you, where do you want to be? And I said, uh, at least $6,000 less than where we're at right now. If I'll, and I'll literally walk out with the truck right now. And he goes, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. You know, we're talking like maybe a couple hundred dollars. And I said, well, I mean, your, your car is listed at that price. So if you want me to walk out with this car today, you're gonna have to work with me. And he goes, right. Oh, let me go talk to my manager one more time. So he goes to his manager comes back, you know, how they make you sit in there and wait to play the little car salesman game with you. And, uh, he comes back and, uh, 
still doesn't doesn't change anything. So I was like, listen, man, like you're not you're not really working with me at all. I said, you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take some money off if you want me to get this truck. So he says, I'll take uh, I'll take a thousand off. Would you walk out of it today? And I said, you're still not even in the ballpark. And he's like, well, let me at least ask my manager. And I said, okay, fine, go ask your manager. He comes back again to tell me the third time, yeah, the third time to then tell me that his manager will give me six hundred dollars off. <laughs> and I said, well, you just told me a thousand. He's like, no, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. He said, he said, uh, he said, I told you, well, I can see if I can get you a thousand dollars off. I said, all right, this isn't, this isn't working. <laughs> you know, I was just like, this isn't going to happen. So he's like, all right, well, let me at least, you know, get my manager to come say hi to you and, you know, you know, see if we can go forward from there. I said, all right, cool. You know, I'm totally fine with that. Whatever. Probably not going to buy this truck right now, but that's, that sounds like a good idea. So he goes in there. I'm waiting again for the fourth time now. And uh, he comes back without his manager. Manager doesn't even come up to say hi ever once. And uh, he drops his card on the table, taps it three times, and says, here's my card. I'll, uh, I'll get the door for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Doesn't, doesn't, you know, shake my hand, doesn't look for any other options. Uh, you know, it was just, like, so absurdly confusing that I don't understand how he even had a job in that position in the first place because, one, the manager should have come out and at least introduced himself. That's, that, to me, is just horrible customer service. Well, but, you're f- deep. I mean, I think the least that someone can do is come say hi. At least, yeah. Yeah, when you're trying to buy a thirty dollars to $40,000 vehicle, too. Or just like, anytime you're working with anyone. Dollars and give you a box of onions. <laughs> 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 I mean, the worst part was when he said, you know, I'll get the door for you. Oh, man. Like, you're not even trying to sell that. Like, I don't know if he took it personal or what, that I wasn't going to buy the listing price. But, I mean... You gotta, you gotta, you gotta work with a customer somewhere in that sense, and to do that, I mean, that's where it, it that was just the nail in the coffin. Where I would literally tell anyone I ever know to never go to that dealership because of that customer experience that I had. Um, but uh, I just wanted to, you know, throw that out there uh, because of the fact that it's so easy to have word of mouth spread now that those little transactions can literally kill your business. Yeah, um, I, I think the biggest thing too is that. People buy from people, right? And I mean, regardless if the price was dropping even close to where you were, you were having such an awful experience with that person and that manager that even if they would have dropped the price even three or four thousand dollars, you probably would have still hesitated to even buy it just because of the poor relationship that you guys had in the first place. Yeah, I mean, he started re- trying to pull my credit before he even built any rapport or anything. Oh, so I mean, it was just absurd. But yeah, it's, um, pretty, it's a pretty aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely very, very aggressive. Very aggressive. I got, I got, that was the only thing I got out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you said he dropped his business card in front of you and said, I'll get the door for you. Yeah, didn't, didn't like hand it to me and shake my hand, didn't like say, like, hey, like, nice meeting you. It was just dropped his business card, tapped on the table a couple times and said, I'll get the door for you. Yeah, I think, I think the misconception that I think a lot of people have, you know, in, in our industry, the telecommunication industry, as well as, um, the car, the car industry is that the salesmen sometimes feel like entitled that you have to, you have to buy from me. Like you don't understand that there's so many dealerships, other places, there's so many other carriers, there's so many other authorized retailers. You can get a phone or you get a car, you can order it online if you want to. You know, so realistically, if you don't build that relationship with that person, um, you know, not only are you going to get their business, but you're not going to get the, 
you know, residual from it and the people going and saying, hey, I had a great experience with, you know, X person and you need to make sure you go and see them. You know, I think that's why you got to think about it. Like Chick-fil-A or Moe's, like they do one thing. Like like Moe's goes, welcome to Moe's. You know, Chick-fil-A says, my pleasure. It's such a small, tiny, tiny, tiny little thing that they do. But so many people go, oh, my gosh, Chick-fil-A gives the best customer service. I mean, just the best customer service. Right, and they tell their friends because word of mouth is literally how business happens. And the problem now is like that car salesman, old sales techniques don't work today because you can can screw someone over. And 30 years ago, it would take months for them to figure out, all right, this dealership is doing that to people. Now it takes about three seconds because I just call you. I post on Instagram. I post on LinkedIn. Whatever happens to be. Word of mouth can, can in today's world, just drive so much luck. So what you said, people buy from people. As a business owner or someone who's running a business or even just someone who's working for a business, you have to be so careful about building relationships uh, rather than going for that sale today uh, because you're looking to build customer loyalty and really not even customer satisfaction, which I don't even think that guy was even close to that, but... Uh, it's kind of like the reverse engineering, right? It's like you start with the customer and how they feel in their shoes, and then you move backwards to how you're going to present the sale. You know, if you have somebody who's, you know, obviously very hesitant, then, you know, clearly building that relationship and, you know, understanding from their shoes, maybe they've had terrible experiences before buying a car. You know, I think about that all the time in my stores, you know, and, and when you and I work together, it's like you always hear people come in and, like, they have such an awful experience before buying a phone or buying a car that they almost don't trust you immediately. Right. So the more that relationship and make it clear that, look, I want to earn your business. Like I want to do whatever it takes to make you feel comfortable and earn your business. And a lot of times, you know, when you're able to build those relationships, like you said, people tell everybody and their brother how great you were. Right. You know? Right. And like you said, people, people who make those bad decisions or, or go to a different carrier or a different place and, uh, you know, had that bad, bad experience or bad decision, the worst thing that can happen is when they come to your business is that one of your employees basically insults them by saying, man, like, why would you go there? Yeah. Or like, that was a, that was a bad choice mm-hmm. because not only are you bashing that other carrier company dealership, whatever it happens to be, you're kind of already starting to make your look, yourself look stupid by bashing them. Um, but you're actually insulting that customer. And you're making them feel like, man, I'm an idiot for even doing that. Yeah. And what kind of rapport or, or relationship is that building? I don't think people realize that. I don't think people realize that you're insulting that person. I think that when someone comes in, we'll just make up for an example. Someone comes in and says, oh, I have, we'll just make it up, Sprint, right? And you go, oh, my gosh, like, why would you ever do that? Like, immediately, like you just said, Chris, the customer's like, are they, like, insulting me for my decision-making? Like, why would I want to work with this person if they can't give me a decency to just, you know, take the approach as, okay, yeah, I understand. I understand why you did that. That makes sense. Well, let me show you what we have to offer today. Right. You know, if it works for you. Right. And and to not even, you know, you understand it, but to, like, you know, kind of relate to them because, you know, something like you said, Sprint, yeah, it's cheaper. Like, I'm, I'm the guy who's going to look for that cheap deal sometimes, and I understand yeah. why you did that. Um, mm-hmm. But here's how I can make it better for you, and I can make that experience even better for you with the service that I offer. Yeah, yeah, you got to watch feeling. It's like people do it either consciously or subconsciously. Like, they feel entitled. And, then I, and I get it. Like, they appreciate their brand. They represent their brand. They, um, you know, love where they work. But 
in no way, shape, or form can you just sit there and, you know, almost humiliate someone for a decision they made that maybe that's all the money they had. Like, maybe that they had to have a phone, and they just couldn't pay that much money. They had to do that, you know? For So for you not even to try to build that relationship or understand from their shoes, I mean, the, 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 the chances of you not only getting that sale or getting repeat sales or, you know, they just kind of go down the drain. Yeah, hardly, hardly ever would you, they come back after that, too. Right. So, Chris, what is the topic that we want to go over today? Uh, so today we want to talk about overcoming obstacles okay. um, and pushing through and not allowing, you know, the negative things that happen in your life to literally hinder you from moving forward from finding success, from being happy, whatever it happens to be. Uh, it's all about taking that obstacle and using it as fuel to, to move forward or even excel in whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, one thing is I've gotten older and realized that, you know, at first I kind of thought you kind of play the victim. You know, if you've had a tough life or tough things happen in your life, you naturally think, well, this isn't fair, the world isn't fair, uh, everybody has it easier than me. And it's easy to think that way, you know, but then you start realizing that if you've had a more difficult life than other people, the amount of pain that you can make into fuel and into motivation and wanting to be better a lot of times puts you above and beyond those people that may have been spoon fed their entire life. You know, so as you view it as, dang, they got it easier than me, you actually have a whole lot more ammunition and like you said, fuel to be successful in the long run. Cause it's not about where you started. It's really about where you end up. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So basically if you have those hard days, um, and you, and you tackle them, uh, you know, you wake up, you, you feel like crap, whatever it is. And you, you know, you skip the gym or you, you don't do your normal stuff. Um, you know, you're letting that day beat you just cause it's a hard day. doesn't mean that you don't do your normal stuff or, or you, you, fight to continue to do what you're doing. Um, because if you do have those hard days and you still go to the gym, you still do all the basic little stuff, you're going to be unstoppable on any other day. Oh yeah. Because you're, you're oh, building yeah. the habits on a daily basis that are going to make you into a way more successful person in business and in just your everyday life. Yeah. That actually happened to me this morning. I got up and I absolutely did not feel like going to the gym. And I kind of sat in bed and got a little lazy, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go tomorrow. And then I was like, okay, this is one of those test days. This is one of those days where it's like you don't feel good when you get up. You're not all fired up when you get out of bed. Um, and these are the days that really test really how disciplined you are and how bad you really want it. So I ended up barely getting up, barely getting in my bed or getting in the car. I went to the gym, and now getting done with the gym – I feel so incredibly accomplished just the fact that I was able to overcome that, you know, tough and lazy feeling this morning and made it through, you know? So it's like, it starts training and discipline in your mind in the sense of whether it's a sunny day or a rainy day, it makes no difference. You're going to accomplish your task. Yeah. Because you really, in the end, can't control what's going to happen. Uh, there are going to be variables that are going to come at you and, and make your, your task or your job harder to do. Um, and it might be rain, you know, it might be, might be raining outside. So you might have the excuse of, well, I'm not going to go for that run today or, uh, go outside today cause it's raining. Uh, well, that's just another test. That's another test day. And if you can go out and still do that run or, or go whatever, do what you're going to do in the rain, that's the point. The point yeah. is that there's going to be obstacles thrown at you, uh, and different variables are going to change what's going to happen because you can't control every variable in every situation, but the job still has to get done. 
And if you can yeah. do that, that's where you're going to become unstoppable. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, when I moved from Florida to here in Kentucky, like my first, it was like maybe my first week I was going to the gym and I put on my clothes that I normally wear for the gym in Florida, just a t-shirt and shorts. And I walked outside and I was like, all right, heading to the gym. And it was like 25 degrees outside. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is some bullshit. Hey, <laughs> that I'm going to be going to the gym now. But it's like, you know, you just gotta, you always, you almost gotta take that as a, um, you know, in a, in a uh, it's an opportunity. Good opportunity. Exactly right. It's yeah. like an awesome opportunity. Like, okay, everything's against me right now, but if I get through this, where am I going to be on the other side? Right. And that's why I want to get into Chris, a story that kind of happened with you. Um, you know, when you were, you know, a few years ago, um, that was obviously an objective that, or a uh, obstacle that few people can probably say they, they encountered. Um, but kind of what it did for you mentally, um, and physically, you know, after overcoming it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm assuming you're, you're talking about when I got shot. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so the story of that really, uh, starts out, you know, I was in Philadelphia. Um, I was walking across the street and a guy kind of got right up in my face with a gun and, um, you know, completely taken off guard, wasn't expecting it. Uh, the first thing he said is empty your fucking pockets. And at first I just kind of froze. Uh, you know, I've never been in that situation before with someone, a gun pointing at my face didn't know what to say. And so he said it again. He repeated it. It said, empty your fucking pockets. And I said, nope, not a shot. Didn't really know what I was saying. Uh, but uh, in, that, in that sense, or in that time, you have uh, kind of two options. Uh, it's fight or flight. And, um, you know, I was kind of trapped in a corner there because was, I was had my back up to the wall. And he was in front of me. I didn't really have anywhere to run or flight. Uh, so my only other option there was fight. So he tried to grab, you know, my stuff and... We immediately got into an altercation. Uh, he uh, hit me with a gun six times on the forehead and uh, kind of ran off a little bit, and I kind of chased after him and grabbed him, and that's when he spun around and, and shot twice. And uh, at first, you know, I didn't even feel anything. Uh, you know, my adrenaline was through the roof probably at that point. Um, but uh, I was hit, and uh, I didn't even realize it because he took off running and, uh, you know, I kind of just uh, get, gave up on the chase there and, and went back to where it all started. And uh, a guy was running across the street and he's like, sit down, sit down, you're hit, you're hit. And I was like, no, man, I'm fine. Don't call the cops. I'm good. He's like, no, you're hit. Sit down. I said again, I said, hey, man, I'm good. Like, I don't need the cops. I'm fine. And then two seconds later, I looked down and saw my shorts, my tan shorts turning red. Um, so I quickly kind of like just pulled my shorts down a little bit and saw what was the gunshot wound and yeah. blood pretty much gushing out of it. Uh, so I was uh, pretty much rushed to the hospital. Uh, right. Spent uh, in the time, I spent about 10 hours there, but when I first got there, you know, they were also asking me all kinds of questions. Uh, but the craziest thing was that uh, when the when the doctors kind of looked at the, the trajectory of where the bullet had entered my leg uh, or even, you know, my pelvic area went into my leg, uh, they told me that uh, the the way the bullet went in, it missed hitting my femoral artery by two millimeters. Mm -hmm. And uh, had it hit that, I wouldn't have made it to the hospital because I would have bled out. Which, wow. to me, was just like, that was that was the moment when I was like, shit, this is, uh, this is, yeah. this is real. Right. Um, and uh, the, the craziest part is, you know, I, I spent a little bit of time in the hospital, and it turned out, you know, 
Um, I still have the, the bullet in my leg, but, um, you know, they said, you're going to be all right. Um, they, you know, they, they stitched me up. What's when that? You go, when you get to the airport, then when you get to the metal <laughs> So I, I actually asked that too. Um, you know, I was worried about that because I do fly a good amount. And, uh, they said, you know, because the, the, the size of the bullet and the, how deep it is into your leg, it shouldn't, uh, shouldn't set anything off. And I've flown a couple times since then. And every single time, the first couple of times, I'd always ask, like, hey, do you see anything? And, and they always tell me no. But, um, you know, I guess. What's that? <laughs> Why am I asking you? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, you have, why? Do you have something? What do you, what do you have on you that you're bringing in here? <laughs> but, uh, no, so the craziest thing is, um, you know, when I was leaving the hospital, uh, you know, I, I left the hospital and they just kind of told me you can go. And I didn't have any clothes to put back on other than the clothes that I was wearing the night before. So I was just like, okay, just put my clothes back on, which my, uh, just to give you an example or, or a picture here, uh, I had a patch on my forehead from where I was hit with a gun and a couple stitches underneath that. I had uh, patches on both my arms from the IVs that I was given. My shirt and face was still pretty much covered in blood. My shorts were covered in blood. And I really couldn't walk anymore because uh, the amount of nerve damage and just absolute muscle damage in my leg, right near the uh, your hip flexor kind of like made it to the point where I was limping really, really badly through this hospital. And uh, it was kind of funny because I'm, I'm leaving the hospital and I'm getting all these people looking at me like crazy and coming up yeah. to me and <laughs> being like, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to get out of here. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Are you okay? Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I've definitely been better, but I'm just trying to leave yeah. the hospital right now. Yeah, this, I, I wish I could live the day over again. This is great. <laughs> but uh, the craziest so, – so what happened – you know, obviously, um, the next couple of weeks were, were just insanity. People calling me, getting texts. My family's freaking out. Uh, the way I broke to my family was not the best way. But what was what was the craziest and the hardest part to me was, and something so simple as you know, you just walking every day. Um, you kind of you kind of naturally just put your feet in front of each other. You've been doing it for now. I'm 25, so uh, 23 years or so, 23, 24 years or whatever. Um, not really sure when I started walking, but something uh, like that. Either, but uh. I walked two weeks after I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have to debate that one. <laughs> but, uh, so the craziest thing was, um, you know, I, I had asked, like, oh, I was going to, you know, was I going to be able to walk and, and run again? Because I was big on running to the doctors. And they said, you know, it's really dependent on your body. Uh, everyone heals differently with the bullets still being in there and the amount of nerve damage. And it was crazy because, I basically had to teach myself how to rewalk at, uh, you know, the age of 19. Um, and that, that to me was kind of the hardest thing because at first I, you know, I, you mentally, you just kind of think like, Oh, I'm just going to walk like normal, but it, it doesn't do that anymore. When I got, what is it? When I was in that point. Um, so I started doing this thing where I would just put my feet in front of each other. And, uh, then I got made fun of, um, by people because they thought I was gay because of the way I was walking. Um, which was weird at first to me, but it really didn't matter to me after a while. Um, because it just didn't, you know, I'm not someone who's going to let that, that kind of get to me. Um, and, uh, you know, not that anything's wrong with that. It's just, you know, that's not what I was. And so my identity was kind of being challenged. Uh, I couldn't really walk right. Um, I'm still kind of healing from the gunshot wound and I had a lot of stuff going against me. Um, and it, it was, it would have been really easy for me to say, you know, screw it. I give up, you know, oh, yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. 
Um, but, uh, you know, that's just not who I was. Um, and I, I wanted to keep pushing forward and, and kind of use that. And um, I've used that now. And I, I remember one time, too, talking to my mom um, before she before she passed. She actually passed, I think, about a year or two after that as well. So a lot of things just happened very quickly and in, in the same time period that would really knock you down. But I remember saying, like, hey, uh, you know, I think I have, like, PTSD. I have these issues, like, where, you know, people are walking behind me and, and I'm very vigilant of it. I'm constantly looking back at them. And, and uh, for the for kind of the whole year after I got shot, and I remember her saying, she's one of the toughest people I ever knew. Uh, she said, you know, you're, you're tough, Chris. You're, you're going to be just fine. And uh, that kind of stuck with me and still sticks with me today. Um, to not let the little stuff, even as, you know, it might not be little to some people, but to, to anyone, just the little stuff bother you or, or bring you down and stop you from doing what you're normally going to do. Because that's where people fail. That's where people lose. Uh, and successful people or effective people take those losses, and like you said, people who have had hardships earlier in their life, and turn it into fuel. Um, and I'll end my story kind of something that was really cool to me, you know, about a month in after getting shot and, and kind of really teaching myself how to walk. I, I went for a run um, because I was a big runner back in high school and uh, before I got shot. And uh, I ran, at, I went to Penn State, I ran all the way to the Penn State track. Um, which I was only planning to run for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And I ended up running all the way to the track, which was about 15, 20 minutes. And I ran a mile on the track. And the entire time I had been running on the track, I had chills. It was like the most cool, surreal, like unbelievable feeling in the world um, because I took all that pain and and didn't let it stop me. And I, and I kept pushing forward and, and got back to where I wanted to be and, and even excelled in that too. Um, so when you do that, when you take those, those hardships and you use this fuel, you will feel so much better when you finally accomplish that goal. That's why, you know, anytime you accomplish any goal, um, you know, it, it wasn't easy getting there. You know, people win the, the Stanley Cup or, and they hoist that over their head. That thing's heavy. But when they, when they do it, they say it doesn't feel like anything. It feels so weightless because they've gone through so much to get to that point that that just, that moment is, is just, it feels amazing to be there. Yeah, I think they have the same thing with uh, the Iowa-Minnesota game in football. They have that 98-pound bronze pig. Yeah. They hold, they hold it up like it's a rag doll. But I was thinking about like what you said, and it was a, it was a really good example of like people who uh, you know, have others that you know, talk about them or try to make them feel bad in some way or try to kind of bring them down. And you know, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like public speaking, like people have such a fear of it. And I think really the fear that we run into, at least me, is that you fear more of what people are going to think about you than actually the task at hand. You know, if you like eliminated any fear of how people were going to view you or how they thought you were going to do in a certain, you know, certain uh, task you're doing, um, if you didn't worry about that, you'd probably do fantastic. You wouldn't have that kind of heart race that happens when you're getting ready to talk a bunch of people, talk to a bunch of people. You know, and that's the same thing that that I think you did is that even though people were saying things about you or you know trying to make you feel down or just trying to get their own joy out of like really your misery that you're going through, you know, you actually overcoming that and saying, hey, this is what happened to me. Um, I'm going to use this as fuel. I'm going to use this as a uh, great opportunity and as terrible as you had it with, you know, this is something that I think you and I, from the very beginning, I've always admired about you is that going through getting shot, 
and going through, you know, your mom passing away and, and things that would really devastate or just shut down somebody, you've used that as almost like a blessing in the sense of, I'm going to take these terrible looking events and I'm going to turn them into fuel and motivation to prove and help other people that, hey, if you have a death in your family or you go through a tragic thing like getting shot or something, it's okay. Right? Like you can get through it. You can use that as fuel. So in the future, when you run into bad situations and you run into more bad uh, obstacles, you handle them probably a lot differently because you've been there. You've done that. You know, and I've always like admired that about how regardless of what you've been through, nothing has stopped you kind of like getting to where you want to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, it's because I'm not where I want to be yet. Even still, Uh, I got a long ways to go. Um, and I can't allow anything to stop me to get there or getting Mm -hmm. me there. Um, even, Mm -hmm. even as bad as something like that might be, um, you know, really, it really does. Like you said, if you can get through those things, um, imagine how unstoppable you will be when you're not dealing with crazy instances like that or or the variables. Right. Right. Even on the like professional side of things, you know, the amount of times that you and I have encountered, uh, how do we want to put this? Encountered people trying to put roadblocks in our way or people trying to um, avoid any kind of recognition or appreciation or um, almost trying to like make sure that we don't become successful. That's kind of become something we fueled off of. Yeah. You know, instead of in the very beginning, where it was just like, oh, I want to be successful because, you know, I want to be rich or, mm-hmm. you know, house or the cars I want or whatever. It's actually turned into now is that the more people that you have that try to stop you, the more you're like, oh, I have to accomplish my goals. I'll tell you, my, my biggest motivator is someone tells me I can't do something. Oh, yeah. I'm going to oh, make yeah. for sure, for damn sure, I'm going to get it done. And that's happened one uh, quite a few times, right? I mean, it's, it seemed like... Oh, so many times. I could go all the way back to when I was in seventh grade. Someone told me I wasn't going to make the A1 lacrosse team going all the way back up to now business, being told that I was too young and, and too eager and, and wanted to get promoted too quickly. And, um, you know, that's that's definitely uh, been proven wrong and wrong again. You know, and I think that's why it's really good to find someone that's just like how you are. You know, I think you and I have helped each other um, continue fueling that, right? Like we have the same motivations of where we want to be and the same goals and the same aspirations that I think it can be done, you know, just by yourself. But I think having that person and being around people who want the same thing that you want, I think it really helps you and gives you even more like that circle of, um, you could, you could even use, you know, I read a couple of books, like a circle of safety, and that's just that's just legitimately like your group of people. Just your peer group, yeah, who you're surrounding yourself yeah. with, and, you know, are they going to are they gonna help you get to be where you want to be, or are they going to hold you back? Yeah, and I think that's what you and I have created is like a little, like, team that whatever we run into, you know, you have that person that kind of gets you there. You know, Absolutely. Get up, get back up. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. So I'll tell you what, you know, um... It's crazy how much, you know, I think about this all the time. It's crazy how much, how many obstacles and outside factors, you know, that try to stop you from getting where you want to be. You know, I think the one thing that you and I have talked about, and this is more or less on the professional side of things, and that is controlling your career. 
You know, like no matter who tells you, hey, Chris, um, you got to wait your turn. You know, hey, Chris, you have to, uh, you know, do X, Y, and Z before we even, you know, think that you're ready. Well, I mean, who's, who, like, how do you know who's ready? Like, you've never given someone the opportunity. Like, how do you know that they're actually ready to go? You know, mm-hmm. and I think the more you've experienced this and then been successful going against it, um, like you said, those experiences make you so much stronger, you know, for the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think on the, you know, on the, the managerial side or the, the person who has the business, it is so crucial to, to see that potential in someone too and to encourage it. Um, because if you're the person who's not kind of like what we talked about before too, if you're not motivating that, um, they're going to motivate themselves to find another job. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the story we ran into, Chris, another little quick story is uh is that guy on my team, uh, Nathan, who um you know, really was had a kind of a poor attitude and you know, really poor numbers, poor performance. And uh, you know, I got to sit down with him and, and talk to him a little bit and you know, just try to get to know him and get to know what was going on and you find out that he had some crazy personal obstacles that hit him with some death in his family and uh you know, just a lot of really rough things that are making his professional life just hard to even focus. And the more that he started to see that I cared about him as a person and not just an employee, um, Nathan's one of my strongest people now. You know, Nathan has this incredible attitude. He wants to help everybody around him. And I was with him the other day, and I said, hey, Nathan, I just want to say thank you for, for everything you've done and how you've been able to overcome all of your um, issues because you taught us a lot, you know, you taught me a lot, you taught this team a lot, that no matter what's going on in your life, if you focus on what's in front of you and not worry about what's behind you or what's on the side of you or anything like that, you can really do things that you probably never imagined you could do in the first place. And, you know, now he's so incredibly successful and it's, it really kind of inspires me to, to make sure that when I see someone that is having a tough time or maybe has that bad attitude that, I mean, no one wants to be negative all the time. There's something else that's fueling that. And if you're able to connect with them on that, on that side of things, again, the return on investment for them, for the team, for yourself is, is really exponential. Yeah. And that goes back to what we were talking about last week with emotional intelligence and how important it is to know your people, understand what's going on in their personal lives so that you can have that, that work life synergy and not just like a work life balance. Um, because now Nathan, I'm sure probably bleeds out to everybody else in the store too. Like his energy and motivation to come to work and, and get tasks done. I'm sure is just, everyone's noticing that difference now too. Um, mm-hmm. so that just, you know, your team is going to become unstoppable if everyone has that same energy motivation and really inspiration to, you know, be at work because it's not just about a work life balance. It's that work life synergy, like your personal life, making your work life better and your work life, making your, your personal life better and probably even your financial life as well too. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said, the work life synergy. You know, I think I've always heard, you know, when people say, you know, when you get to the door, leave your problems behind, you know, like, you know, your personal life, you know, if you're having a bunch of problems, when you come to work, you need to leave those behind. Like how in the fuck do you plan on just stopping every single problem in your life and just being like, Oh, I'm good. Wow. This is great. I, I'm perfectly fine now. You know, like that's, it's that's just, yeah, it's not realistic. A, right. I mean, and as a leader, the more you can give your people a wonderful environment professionally, you know, give them that place where they can almost escape from their personal life. If it is that rough, you know, 
when they're able to flourish and, and see that positivity and see those, you know, great returns from their hard work and their professional life, you'd be surprised how it dives into their person, their personal life and their financial life. And next thing you know, when all of those are hitting at all cylinders, that's what you just said. I mean, people are just unstoppable. They do things they never could have imagined they would do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what are we, we going to take away from, from today's podcast? Well, takeaways is I'm, uh, I'm glad you're here with us. Good Lord. Well, I appreciate that. that. <laughs> um, you know, but I think, I think it's a great story that you told us in the sense of, um, you know, how, however much, however tragic something is or whatever hurdle or obstacle that's put in your way, stop for a second, right? I mean, handle the hand, you know, they're, they're, if you switch your mindset to where obstacles and hurdles are opportunities and they're not just something that's trying to shut you down or bring you down, where you'll become is far greater than where you could ever imagine. I think that when you had all those things happen to you, at some point in time probably, you were like, well, this isn't fair. Like, this isn't fair. I, I can't believe this is happening to me. But what you did is you took that, you made it into that fuel, that motivation, and it put you in a completely different place and somewhere now where no matter what comes at hand, no matter what's in front of you, no matter what obstacle you run into, you've been there, done that. You're not going to have any problem at all now. Yeah. You know, that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah. So, I mean, my takeaway would definitely be, um, you know, going through these hardships, um, the, the test days, the challenges, the things that are supposed to bring you down. Um, that's all supposed to be there. Uh, for the reason that when you eventually accomplish that task, when you, you know, maybe hoist the Stanley Cup above your head, when you, when you decide that, you know, you're not going to let that shit hold you down and you beat it, right. you're now going to become unstoppable. And the feeling that you're going to get when you accomplish that goal or that task is life-changing. Yeah. So much better when you go through something hard and nothing ever that is awesome or feels good. You didn't, it was not hard. Everything is always going to be hard when you get to that point. Um, but that's what makes it feel so good when you finally accomplish that goal and get that job done. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate everybody listening today. Chris and I definitely appreciate it. And if you get anything from this, please tell a friend. We will be on here for another episode of the People's Project starting next week at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. Thanks, everyone.